the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain Nutrition, Chewing the Fat, episode 82, knocking them out of the pack. This is actually a guest spot that I was asked to do for Andy, who is a PT, works at Graft House Gym in Leeds, which is a gym where we have our offices. Uh, he wants me to come on and talk to his kind of online community about calories, about nutrient density, about kind of food choices as well. So there's a whole host of topics covered um, the range from establishing what a calorie is, food density versus food volume, food quality, how much should you eat, thermogenic effect of food, good food versus bad food, beating cravings. There's a whole host of information coming your way over the next hour. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a nice cup of green tea. Don't drink green tea, it's horrible. Well, I'm not a fan. I'm sure there's some people out there, but there's people who like black coffee and they're psychopaths. So enjoy the podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend about it. And if you don't like it, tell someone you don't like about it. <laughs> so I've hit the record. And yeah, if you want to just take it away, James, just kind of told these guys that pretty much it's a open canvas for everyone to just air any questions that they have surrounding nutrition, um, a bit of myth busting. You kind of go over a few things to do with you know, calorie density versus calorie volume and like different food groups in terms of how guy, how they can optimize the nutrition to just, you know, like you guys are sustain says, you know, a more sustainable approach to nutrition really. So yeah, over to you. Great. So I'd say if you've got any questions or anything, you don't like what I'm saying or whatever, please feel free to throw it into the uh, comment box. So I think I should be able to access that. Uh, and I'll get through that as we go to Caveats, I have the world's squeakiest chair, and my son could burst in at any point. It could be like one of those BBC things where he'll just burst in and try and grab a hammer. He's obsessed with hammers and drills. We've just moved in, so I made it so it looks really nice behind me. I've got pictures of Pavani, but this is an absolute shitstorm to the right inside. It's just shelves full of um, drills and stuff. Sanders. Right, so quick bit about me. So I used to be full time personal trainer about for about 20 years we've been doing it and then worked with Joe for about three or four years, who's my business partner, don't like to say partner, sounds dodgy, um, in Sustain and he kind of came up with the concept of one of his friends wanted to lose weight and he's like, you know, it'd be great if I could check your food every single day and make sure you're on track, kind of keep you accountable. Mm -hmm. And that's how kind of Sustain was born. Now we've kind of fallen into the demographic where we deal with a lot of it tends to be 35 to 45 year old women who have tried every single diet under the sun. Um, Sharon, sorry, Sharon's just joined. Just give Sharon a look. Oh, sorry. They've tried every single diet under the sun, but none of them consistently. And that's kind of where we fit in, where we work a lot with the kind of mindsets. Yeah. Um, you're looking at the, 
the beliefs around food choices. And again, it, the majority of it, most people know what to eat and what they should be moderating and you know what they need to look out for. People know the foods and drinks that cause them to gain weight. And those are the things that you need to moderate. Um, so there is an education part of it, but the biggest part of it is kind of being consistent with people. Track calories. It's just about being optimizing, not optimizing, that sounds a bit like a sportsman, but choosing food quality, uh, nutrient-dense foods over, and kind of controlling the more calorie-dense ones. So just going to have a little bit, like I said, Andy was like, do you want to do some slides? Like, I can't do slides because I'll just go off on a few times. I have got some notes, so we'll see if I stick to those. Um, but like I said, if you've got any questions, throw them in there, and I will do my best to answer. If not, I'll just do like a slight Google, and then you'll know that I'm reading. Um, so first of all, so we're going to talk about calories. That's it. Let's kind of, Andy gave me the brief, kind of talk a bit about calories and, and food choices. Now, calories, just a unit of energy. That's it. I don't know if you ever did the experiment when you were in science, if you even teach science anymore, I'm showing my age. Uh, we get to like burn a peanut and a peanut burns for ages because it's really calorie dense. And the kind of one calorie equals is the amount of energy that it takes to, to raise the uh, temperature of water one degree. And that's it. So all food contains calories. And then we come down to, you might have heard it referred to as Seco or not Chico, not Chico time. Uh, calories in versus calories out. And that's always kind of like a quite a big de debate for PTs and nutritionists. And you get, you know, kind of keto people. It's like, no, it's not about, you know, calories in versus calories out. It's about, you know, just cutting your carbohydrates and low carb people, same thing. It is. There you go. Spoiler alert. Go straight in. It is just calories in versus calories out. You can't beat that. That's just science. Mm -hmm. you know, like gravity, you can't argue with it. But how that, you know, there's about 101 different ways that you can achieve this calories in versus calories out. And that's when people, you know, it's almost like religion. People would be like so stuck on, no, this is right, that's wrong. This is right, that's wrong. And it's not. It's all diets work and they all work on the same premises that it's reducing calories. I remember I get into like a bit of a debate with some people from um, Weight Watchers on some post that I put up where they had like, um, avocado was more sins which doesn't it's not the sin as in like religious sin it's yeah. synergy or something um, avocado is more sins than uh, cider and I posted this going like does this make any sense to anyone um, and then I got into some debates with someone and I was like look it's just oversimplified calorie count that you're doing like no it's not like it's a point system the higher calorie foods have more points or more sins or whatever like anyway that's how all diets work. Um, but where does food quality fit in there? And it's, you know, it's, it's a no-brainer. Again, everyone has um, a certain amount of calories per day that leads to their, you know, maintenance calories, you know, whatever, what, whatever that is, 1,200, 2,000, 4,000. But how you make those calories up will make the difference between your health, um, your hunger levels, your energy levels, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about really is if you're watching this or if you're listening to this and you're looking to lose body fat, you need to eat in a calorie deficit. And one of the easier ways to stick to a calorie deficit is if you're full. You know, being full is like being drunk. You're going to make some terrible choices. You're going to text your ex. You're going to do something silly. You're going to, you know, make a, a bad choice. So, 
it's important to stay as full as possible. Associated would be the uh, the kind of the key word there, as possible. And then obviously there's a, a whole host of different um, benefits to choosing more nutrient dense foods, like they're healthier shit. You know what I mean? Everyone wants to be fit and healthy and look good naked. Thankfully, it's you know a good side effect of um, eating well, exercising is you tend to look better in the scud. So. Is a calorie just a calorie? You'll get other people who just go like, yeah, but you know, like, you know, 100 calories from chocolate is very different to 100 calories from um, a Big Mac, which is different to 100 calories from an apple. And in its simplest form, it's not. They're all the same. It's that unit of energy. But what you get from each of those different things, so 100 calories from chocolate, 100 calories from a Big Mac, 100 calories from an apple, are vastly different. You can't say they're the same thing. You can say a calorie is just a calorie, but 100 calories from an apple is going to have a very different effect to 100 calories of chocolate, which will have a different effect to 100 calories from a Big Mac. Not just in nutrient density, but in volume as well. And again, you know, this kind of comes into this dieting thing, is if you want to eat in a deficit, you want to be eating as much food as possible to make it as comfortable as possible. Again, you don't want to be dieting and being hungry because guess what? It makes it even harder to stick to. And that's one of the things that blows my mind is you have these people who've yo-yo dieted for years and years and years and really struggle losing weight or really struggle to be consistent. Go on a shake diet. Go on like a Cambridge, whatever it is, packet diet, uh, the soup diets and stuff like that. Like, how hard is it to stick to something when you're absolutely starving. It's like you've got the least skill at dieting to control your food choices and you're going about the hardest method. And again, that's kind of where we kind of t- try to fit in with sustainers. It's like you don't have to do this. Dieting is not shakes, soups and salads because you're just going to get hungry. You're going to get bored. And you're going to get really hungry. And you're going to eat a lot of crap food. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, of course it is. And so you just snap and just go, you know what? This food is fucking dull. I'm starving all the time because I'm having like 150 calories from a soup. I'm having 200 calories from a shake and I'm absolutely starving. Again, we'll go on about kind of food choices a bit later on. So yes, it is all about calories. It's 100% all about calories. But then how those calories, how you make them up will mean the difference between you being able to stick to something comfortably or struggling to stick to something. You know, the difference between being full and being full of energy to feel like crap. You know, they've done studies, um, I say studies, experiments, I suppose, where people have just eaten cake, just eaten McDonald's uh, and stayed within their calorie deficit and lost weight. Because again, it's not, all about the food choices it's about the calories but the food choices will 100% dictate your health to some degree your happiness um and certainly how easy it is to stick to things um so when we talk about you know instead of like everyone has a certain amount of calories now you can stick these stick your numbers into a, a calorie counter a calorie converter whatever it is you know um and it'll go like, what's your age? How tall are you? What's your weight? What's your activity levels? And it'll spit out a number that's roughly, it thinks, or a formula, how many calories. Now, don't take that as gospel. That's just the starting point. Again, that's another thing I see people falling into. In fact, I need to message someone. Some woman had been tracking her calories since February. She messaged me on Instagram. I've been tracking since February. I've not lost any weight. She stuck to the same numbers. Now, I can't fault the woman for her consistency, 
but fucking hell, talk about banging your head against a brick wall. Like, you have consistently hit these numbers. You've not lost a pound. Yeah. And all because she put her numbers, she put her weight and her activity levels, etc., into um, a, a calorie calculator. And it went, this is, this is how many you need. This is what you need to lose weight. Like, but you've not been losing weight. Guess what? Those numbers are fucking wrong. And it's, you know, the kind of analogy I use is, it's like me going, all right, Andy, so you're a PT, you're based in Leeds, you do this many hours, this is how much I think, this kind of, you know, calculator thinks you earn per year. Mm. And it might be ballpark figure, it might be way under, it might be way over. But yeah, you know, you've just got to adjust. So if you are using calculators, track it, you know, stick to that level for two weeks, a week, two weeks, two weeks is a good one. And then see what happens to your weight. If your weight goes up, there's too many calories, you need to drop it down, I don't care what it said. Yeah. If your weight goes down, depending on how much it drops, then you can adjust it. If it stays the same, guess what? That is your maintenance. But um, so there's the kind of the, the structure that we use with my guys is we will establish, like you said, a ballpark figure, uh, estimated calorie target, and it is literally a case of trial and error based on activity levels of how we will adjust those calories. So obviously, having prolonged periods of dieting is not necessarily the best thing for you know you. you mental and physical motivation as well as much as anything so we have periods where we'll adjust and start higher and kind of chisel away at them based on the response that the you know the weight fluctuates and just in terms of energy levels as well and establishing that there's times to push harder with your diet when your motivation levels are high and you're not necessarily as busy and there's also times to pull back and go back up to maintenance because it's just more realistic so it's not just like a set, it's not a set figure it's just a case of manipulating it to your advantage based on your energy levels and your lifestyle choices. So 100%, it's, it's just a starting point. Like you said, it's just so important to just adjust to the feedback that you're getting, what that your body's giving you. Again, you know, kind of just picking up on the maintenance thing, maintaining is still progress. If you've slowly been gaining and then you start losing weight and then you maintain your weight, that's progress. That's still that's progress. And like I say, it's all good to have a little diet break and just recharge your batteries and eat a little bit more food. Again, you know, as much for your mental as well as your kind of your physical health. So, yeah, I like that. So when you get your, you do get your initial kind of, this is my calories, this is how many I need to maintain, therefore I'm going to go into whatever, 10, 15, 20% deficit to lose weight. Those calories, your daily calories are made up by, you know, different things. So you've got your BMI, your basal metabolic rate, which is the one that people seem to know about, which is just basically how many calories or how much energy your, burns, your body burns, you know, kind of breathing, thinking, just functioning. That's how much, if you just laid in bed and didn't move and just blinked, that's how many calories you'd burn. Then you've got your NEAT, which is obviously raised in popularity. I thought I was always drinking a, a bottle of beer there. Um, <laughs> that's Wednesdays. Wednesdays we have beer now. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Friday and I keep off again. Lockdown has got me completely forgetting what day it is. I was like, it's Thursday. No, it's Friday. Oh, God. Um, then you've got your NEAT, which is your non-exercise activity thermogenesis, you know, which is kind of walking around, taking the stairs, doing the washing up, doing the hoovering, chasing the kids, etc. which is obviously gained, kind of more popular. And I think I've written it down. That takes up about 15%. So your BMI is about 70% of your daily calories. So just for you being you, then about 15% for your NEAT. Then you've got only about 10% that you burn, like specifically during exercise. So going to the gym or going for a run or whatever that is. And that's, you know, that whole adage of you can't out-trend a bad diet, only 10%, roughly, 10 to 15%, depends on how active you are, of your daily calorie burn will be from specific exercise. You know, so when people go like, 
I've gained weight this week because I've not been as active. I missed one workout. Like, if your entire fat loss, fast gain is is based on one workout, then we need to do. You've got some issues with your food. You know, that's tipping the scales. But then the next one I want to talk about is kind of one that's not really spoken about much, and that's a thermic effect of food. I'm not talking about hot chilies or cayenne pepper, whatever it is that people have maple syrup diets. It's the amount of energy that you burn or your body uses to digest the food. Um, so when my wife was trying to kill me for my 40s, she got me um, a weekend of a survival course. So I went and slept on a beach under a tarpaulin in horrific weather, had to catch fish, had to catch crabs, not like that. You know, distill water, all this stuff uh, for like three days. And it was one of the things that one of the, the kind of survival guys told us, it was really interesting. He was saying about kind of looking for food. He's like, you know, you might get so hungry that you'd, you know, you'd want to eat this grass. But eating that grass will be worse off for you than not eating because it'll take more calories to digest the grass because it's just so nutrient void because I'm not a cow, basically. It'll take more calories to digest it, to get it through my system, that I would ingest in it, if that makes sense. So I'd end up burning more energy than I'd get from it, so I'd be in a worse space. And that's like the thermic effect of food. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone goes out and eats grass if they're wanting to lose weight. That would be a real bad idea. A real bad idea. But, um, yeah, the more complex the food is, the harder it is to digest, the um, more calories you will actually burn digesting it. So... This is when you look at kind of like oversimplified foods, you know, kind of when people talk about avoiding processed foods, stuff like that. And, you know, and I'll talk to clients and say, you know, if you see them having a smoothie, if you see them having soups, and I'll, you know, key question is, how filling did you find it? Not just right then, but an hour later. You know, how satiated was this meal? How long did it keep you full? And again, moving into kind of food quality as we, as we go on about it, these can be the difference between kind of sticking to your diet and struggling to stick to your diet, you know, really, really struggling. Um, you have something like a chocolate bar, you know, that's very simple sugars. It's very easy to digest. It's very quick to your system. It's not going to burn a lot of calories getting that into your system. Whereas chewing a chicken breast does. And again, I've written these down because I can't remember how stuff like this. Carbohydrates, typically 5 to 15% of the calories that you digest from your carbohydrates will get burned digesting them, if that makes sense. Fats, similar. So, you know, if you have 100 calories, from fats, you'll burn 15 of them just digesting those fats. But your protein is up at 20 to 35%. That's one of the many benefits of eating a high-protein diet is it's so filling, along with balancing out your blood sugars, you know, absolutely kicking cravings in the nuts, retaining muscle mass, you know, so you're promoting fat loss. If you're in a calorie deficit, you want to keep your protein high. Um, but you because it's such a complex macronutrient, it's the most complex macronutrient. You know, I don't want to preach the converted, but obviously you've got your fats, carbohydrates, and proteins. Of those three macronutrients, the only three, unless you count fiber, um, it's the most complex to break down. So again, for every 100 calories you get from protein, you're going to burn 30 of those. It's like free food. It's, it's amazing. And again, so filling. And that's when... And, you know, just to jump the gun a bit about the food choices, people go, right, I need to up my protein. Yeah. 
protein. I have a protein shake. Cool, you know, an um, available source of protein that's very, very easy to digest. But I don't want food that's super easy to digest. I want food that's going to stick around for a long time, that's going to keep me full for a long time. So for me, you know, I'd always opt for chew my food, 100%. You know, if I'm trying to, well, no, I'm trying to, if I ever try to bulk up and I'm going to force feed myself, that's when I'm going to drink a shake and I'm going to blend oats in it and I'm going to have nut butters in it, like Kyle has with his like thousand calorie shakes at the gym that he brags about. You know, I want to chew my food because. Say again, mate. That's me literally when I'm bulking, just liquid calories on the gym floor, just smashing them back. Yeah, but unfortunately, because people see, you know, like shakes with nut butter in and stuff like that. I'm not naming names, you know, from popular programs. And it's just such a bad idea because, again, you know, going back to when I asked clients, like, how filling did you find this meal? Like, oh, yeah, I was absolutely stuffed. Well, guess what? When I drink this pint from this stolen whole garden cup that I've had for about 20 years, when I drink this, my stomach's going to be full, but it's going to be full for about 20 minutes. That's it. And then I'm going to be out. You know, it's like why people can go out and drink. 10 pints of beer, you know, it's not like the stomach's massively distended. You've got to get a bit, well, probably because you get fat if you drink 10 pints of beer, but it's very fast for your system. So again, food choices, you know, you look at liquids. The reason why, you know, baby foods blended down is because, you know, a baby's digestive system's not fully formed yet. It can't take it. You know, it needs foods that are very, very easy to digest, you know, at least for the first kind of six, seven months of its life. Um, so you have kind of the smoothies the yogurts the soups etc because they're so easy to digest plus they take up a big old space so if you imagine it's not very attractive but you put all your food into a bag into a plastic bag there's a massive surface area if it's a drink and that means it's going to get into your system much quicker and again because it's already it's, it's like a, a mummy bird has kind of chewed up the food and spat it into your mouth again another attractive analogy but it's already partially digested so again it's not going to stick around for long um whereas if you throwing some chunks of, you know, green beans and broccoli and sweet potato and chicken, good old bodybuilder meal, that takes such a long time to, to break down that it's going to be in your stomach for a long time before you start getting those hunger signals again. Again, it's just looking at food choices. So when you're looking at saving calories, you want to kind of not optimize your meals, but look at your meals. Again, if you're having your breakfast and then an hour later you're starving, then your breakfast needs to be addressed, you know, whatever that is. You know, whether you've gone kind of high carb or fruit or a smoothie or whatever that, you know, same thing with your lunch. If you're having a soup and then an hour and a half later, you're wanting to have a snack. I'd look at that meal first before. Now, there's nothing wrong with snacking, again, but if we can add 100 calories to a meal to save 200 calories in snacks, that's a winner for me. Again, it's just about playing those numbers and saving where you can. So the more complex the foods you have, the bigger thermic effects that you'll get from those foods. Again, the more digesting, the more calories burned, the less likely you get hungry, the longer it sticks in your stomach. And that's why, you know, kind of we are just constantly, if you listen to any of the podcasts or pretty much any content, it's just you need to eat more protein. You need to eat more vegetables. Yeah, something, something that we um, that I said to preach to my guys a lot is just about like when you're looking at building a plate of food, the order of what you would do it. So... We always aim to start by building the plate with a protein source. Then think about like nutrient quality. So obviously you've got, if you're doing it by like the precision nutrition method, you know, two handfuls of veggies. And then you'd look at a fat source, probably quite small because it's essential. And then, you know, carbohydrates being a non-essential macronutrient group compared to what, if your goal is primarily fat loss, 
is you're looking for that protein for that, you know, the, the, the thermogenic effect. You get any nutrients in, your fats in for bodily function, and then lastly, your carbohydrates. So that based on personal preference, meal frequency then becomes, you know, the focus of spacing those protein meals out just on the, on the basis that it's going to keep you fuller for longer. So that's something that I do kind of hammer home with my guys is just start with addressing the protein source in every meal, really. So Yeah, and eating that order as well is what I always kind of say, eat protein, eat all vegetables, and then eat your carbohydrates. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with carbohydrates, 100% nothing wrong with them. Um, like you said, which is great, like they're not essential. People think carbohydrates are essential. You have, you have essential amino acids, which make up protein. You have essential fatty acids, which make up fat. There's no essential carbohydrates unless it's like crisps or something like that. Um, but yeah, there's nothing wrong. Again, it's just about that calorie balance. And that's when you know, people get into that demonized thing. Oh, well, I cut calories. Oh, Jeff cut calories and he lost 30 pounds. Yeah, because he stopped fucking eating loads of high-calorie foods that he normally eats. He created a calorie deficit, you know, just in the same way if Jeff stopped eating protein, he'd feel like shit, but he'd lose weight probably. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just looking at getting the biggest return on investment for your calories. Again, you, you're going to be in a deficit if you're looking for fat loss. You have to be. There's no two ways about it. You know, you get people who go like, well, my friend eats everything and he still loses weight. He still doesn't get weight. Like, guess what? He's burning more calories than you. Or she. I don't want to discriminate. That's just the fact. You know, you get, like I say, you get these people who just go like, you're like Fitbit's obviously kind of burning my life. Fitbit's, Apple Watches, Garmin's, or whatever, they're all trying to flirt with you. They are flirting with you. Oh, you burned 3,000 calories in that 45-minute step session. No, you didn't. Don't be silly. And you get these people who come and go like, oh, well, uh, according to my Fitbit, I burned 3,000 calories a day, but my, um, my fitness pal says I'm only eating 1,200. No, those numbers are wrong. Again, the science is it's calories in versus calories out. Mm. Something's going on. Anyway, so you look for the biggest return on investment for your calories. And that's... Again, it's got that twofold effect. It means that you can eat a shit ton of food and still lose weight, which is obviously a winner winner and a nice little chicken dinner. Um, you know, what is it? So, if you, do you look at um, a typical, hang up, upgraded, you look at a typical five guys meal, okay, 1600 calories. That's just for a regular fries, not for large fries. If you're going big guns. That's a lot of calories for not a lot of food. Now, I know you'll feel stuffed immediately because there's an absolute shit ton of fat in there and it's going to take a bit to digest. But it's still one meal, you know, like a Domino's pizza is like 3,000 calories or something silly like that. Those foods, and I'm not saying they're bad, I'm not saying they're bad at all. There's no good, there's no bad foods, just kind of good and bad diets. You know, when people go like, give us some healthy, like, I don't define health in one meal. If you laid out all your food choices, you know, for a week or for a month, how does that look? That's what's going to give you your health. You're not just, yeah, you know, I eat 25 grams of chocolate. Is that unhealthy? Well, if I eat 200 grams of chocolate, is that unhealthy? You know, it's such a gray area that people go like, oh, I'm trying to eat healthy. Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Anyway, and also healthy is not low calorie. There's the psychology element to it as well, isn't there? Like all food groups are healthy, but if you're being restrictive, that is, that's an unhealthy habit Psycho- like from a psychology perspective because you're restricting yourself and it's not a sustainable approach because it's, it's creating that 
mindset of like you're either if you do you know go outside of those restrictions and eat the chocolate that's you're punishing yourself as a cheat when really you should just be you know adopting an inclusive approach to everything but within balance and within the parameters of what your goals are in your diets so yeah that's you don't have to restrict your food choices but you will have to restrict the amounts of the foods that you want to eat you know like you said you know you you don't eat enough salt and you die you eat too much salt and you die you don't drink enough water you die drink too much water you die there's not water and salt aren't good or bad it's to it's, you know the devil's in the dosage as with everything um so again it's looking at that return on investment so you know i did that diet recently where i was on kind of um towards the latter end of it 1800 calories which everyone had someone i should have told everyone there was like oh don't do anything you yeah. know my you know my knee is shite it's terrible because i just sit here 10 hours a day in a squeaky chair typing you know, occasionally stand up to do a video or something. So it wasn't that bad. And then due to the food choices you make, you can make 1800 stretched to a lot of food. You know, you think about it like a, a shopping budget. You know, if you go back to watching, I don't know, definitely sure marriage, Wife Swap, love Wife Swap, bit of confrontation. But you'd get like a super rich family. You've got like one kid. And then swap with like, you know, a, 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 you know, a borderline really, really poor family who've got like five kids and then they have to do shopping budgets and stuff. Like this, this woman who has like five kids and no money still makes it stretch. You know, she still managed to feed the kids. And that's kind of, obviously, a terrible analogy. But that's what you need to do. It's kind of how can you do these little cost-cutting trips, you know, going by like the yellow stick of foods and stuff like that to stretch your calories as far as possible. And it's just about being sensible and making... Um, simple swaps so again protein and vegetables 100% going to be your best friends when it comes to dieting and you look at your you know, your typical family meal like right a spaghetti bolognese so there's nothing wrong with spaghetti bolognese and there's nothing wrong with pasta you know but it's pretty calorie dense and people tend to overconsume it it's, it's one of those things like for me pasta I don't find very filling at all so I can eat a shit ton of it and digest a lot of calories, you know, for not a lot of return on my investment. So say you have, my easy maths, maths is not my strong suit, 200 grams of bolognese, and you have 200 grams of spaghetti, to take it really easy on myself. So you've got 400 gram meal there, nice filling meal, but I want to cut my calories. I don't want to cut my protein down. So say I've cut some of the, cut some of the fats out. I don't want to cut my protein down, so I'm going to keep 200 grams of bolognese, I'm going to half my portion of pasta. Now I've got a 300 gram meal. So obviously it's smaller. So I'm more likely to be hungry. So why don't I bang 200 grams of vegetables in there? And now I've got a 500 calorie meal, but for less, uh, sorry, 500 gram meal, but for less calories. It's like, say, when you add a ton of vegetables, it's like pretty much kind of calorie free volume that you're adding to your food. Just a ton of fiber, loads of vitamins, loads of minerals, all the added health benefits, but just so filling. It's going to slow down your digestion, it's going to keep you fuller for longer. It's going to keep you healthy and all that, you know, to later life, all that nonsense stuff. It's going to make you look great naked. And that's what you need to do. It's just kind of like, you know, like you said, when you're building your plate, have I got my protein in there? Is it a lean protein source? Do I need to add any fats to this meal? Because again, you know, you see people fall into this kind of health trap where they're like, right, I'm going to have, uh, you know, chicken thighs with avocado, with uh, feta salad, with this, with butter on, blah, 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 blah. And like, okay, that's great. 
but that's a lot of calories. I had one of my clients went to Bill's. Uh, she's a vegetarian, probably still is. I don't know. And she chose some superfood salad and added halloumi to it. I was like, okay, cool. What's in the salad? And when it came down to it, it was a thousand calorie salad. That was before she added halloumi to it. So good ingredients don't always make for good meals. And again, you know, with our clients, we don't necessarily get them to count calories unless they really want to or unless we feel that they're kind of at the stage where they need to. But you have to be 100% aware of these things. And that's why I said earlier, kind of healthy doesn't equal low calories. Mm. And again, what's your definition of health? Because for me, being overweight, he's not healthy. And you get that, you know, and people get all nutty and, you know, we have our calorie control habits and, you know, kind of one was like, you know, avoid processed foods. A lot of it's just avoid these things, not don't have these. Mm. And people are like, oh, I had this, I don't know, ready meal, this calorie control ready meal that's 350 calories. I know I shouldn't have had that. Like, but if the alternative was you have a ribeye steak with, a, you know, a baked potato and asparagus and that comes in at 750 calories, and guess what? This, what you would class as processed Ready meal is a better option for your fat loss. That is a healthier option, even though you've not prepped it from scratch. Again, it's just those kind of barriers where people think, I have to prep everything from scratch. You don't. Again, consistency is going to be key. You get so many people who are like 100% all or nothing for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and then six months of nothing. Whereas if you just did a year, 70, 80%, you know, had a bit of chocolate, had a bit of wine, had a bit of bread, had the odd meal out, whatever, that's going to give you so much more progress. And again, the more you make the sensible choice, yeah, exactly, sustainability, hey? The more you make these sensible choices, the more wiggle room you have to enjoy these things. Again, you know, because we deal a lot with, you know, mums and stuff, and they get all stressed because they've got this hammered home, all or nothing, this, I have to be perfect, I have to be perfect, I have to be perfect which obviously you don't because it's ridiculous, but that's the kind of mindset that's been stuck into them. So then they'll get to a situation where say one of the kids has baked something like one wants to try his cookie and they'll either feel guilty for having it or they'll try to refuse it. Now for me, hundred percent eat the cookie, eat the fucking cookie. You know what I mean? But eating a cookie that your child's made or you've baked with your kids or whatever, is just so different to you picking up three chocolate bars on a Tuesday afternoon at the petrol station because you're having a shitty day at work. Mm. Get rid of those, enjoy the cookie. So that's what I mean, kind of like the more you make sensible choices and make these little calorie swaps and, you know, prioritize, you know, nutrient density and volume over just a little cheap thrill, you know, just a little bit of short-term pleasure, then you can afford to have those with others. Then you don't worry about going out for a meal with your partner. You don't worry about getting home and your partner's going, you know what? I got a bonus. Let's go out for a meal. Or you go, you know what? I got a bonus. Let's go out for a meal. Obviously not right now, but let's get a takeaway. The more sensible you are, the more consistent you are, the more you can get away with. And again, it's just making these sensible choices and not just doing that thing of like, I oh, was Tuesday night, can't be asked. Let's just get a pizza. Okay, it's Tuesday night, can't be asked. Let's pick up some uh, prawns that cook in fucking three seconds stir-fried veggies and microwave, uh, microwave rice. There you go. You've got a real solid, nutritious meal there, and it's cooked in under 12 minutes. It's just picking your battles for me. But I feel like I've gone slightly off topic there. Um, so, yeah, just, just, just 
like I said, like the, the biggest struggle I think, you know, most people will have when dieting is hunger, is temptation. You know, is not enjoying the foods that they're eating because they have this kind of um, idea of what a diet should be. It should be bland, it should be boring. It doesn't. It just has to be sensible, you know. You can follow us on Instagram. I post like pretty much all my evening meals on there. And I have, you know, like sausage and mash and I have steak and chips and I have, you know, goulash and rice last night and stuff like that. It's all sensible stuff, but, you know, I make different things. So my foods during the day can be pretty boring. They're either going to be leftovers or, you know, like for breakfast, I have a lot of egg whites with, but I have to put egg in it. I'm not a complete animal. You know, with like turkey sausage and stuff, it's not super exciting, but that's kind of more the food is serving a purpose. I'm banking a lot of calories for my evening meal so I can have a nice family evening meal and not be like, oh shit, I've eaten too much. Um, so yeah, it's just looking at your food, looking out to optimize it. Like I said, the biggest one is lean proteins and vegetables. I actually wrote down some, some numbers. So if you look at chicken breast, it's 138 calories per 100 grams. You know, great source of protein. You look at just a simple swapped chicken thighs, that's 235 calories per 100 grams. So that's a massive saving. Again, you know, at the start of your fat loss journey, you'll be on higher calories. You know, and Andy will move them down, chip them away as your progress either slows or kind of as he sees fit. You know, sees fit. So you want to start off, usually, as a general rule, again, with our clients is, I want you eating as much food as possible whilst losing weight. So this is as comfortable as possible. Again, you know, kind of another mistake people make is just going straight out of the gates and kind of overwhelming themselves. Like January syndrome, we like to call it. I'm going to do six spin classes. I'm going to have no sugar. I'm going to have no fats. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to hit 10,000 steps every single day backwards and blah, 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 blah. Like just do, you know, it's like you've got a headache. If you took one paracetamol, that'd get rid of it. Don't take 20. Yeah. Everyone wants to take 20. I'm going to take 20 of them. You know, 20 will do it. Like, no. Uh, you know, just the, the minimum viable dose is what you want. And it's very tempting to get those quick results. But again, kind of when you're three months into this and you've still got another three stone to lose, you've got nothing else to do. This is you've got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Something I always say to my guys is you want the best possible results or return from the, the minimal amount of changes or action. So the reason why you start off on the higher calories is if you get to a point where, you know, you're on 16, 1700 calories, which I hope no one gets too low but if you hit a, you know a stagnant point and a plateau there's nowhere to go without flogging yourself silly in the gym to create that larger calorie deficit otherwise you basically end up having a glass of dust for your, t- for your tea do you know what I mean? like, there's no way around it and it's about making the, the smallest changes to your diet that will reap the biggest rewards so like what you were saying about calorie volume and getting you know biggest biggest bang for your buck in terms of food selection what we have is um like free, you know, the macronutrient food list, like you're saying, 100 grams of chicken, listed all the main whole sources of protein sources so that people can just swap and change based on personal preference. They're just guidelines, but if you've got the information, it's a lot easier to process. That makes sense. So just making like small adjustments to might be a protein source will save you half the calories, like you said, chicken thigh, chicken breast switch. So it's just having the, the, the knowledge accessible, isn't it, really? Yeah, of course it is, and it's, it's learning the, the the skills to to look at that. And like I said, you know, my client was unfortunate enough to order like a thousand calorie salad, and it's only because when she said it, it's got this, this, and this, and I'm like, hang about, this sounds 
you know, obviously it's going to depend on the portion size. It's like, this sounds like it's going to be super, super calorie dense. And again, it's learning these skills, you know, which obviously you're teaching your clients. We're very keen on with sustaining. It's like, I don't want my clients to be dependent on me forever. Like, it's a terrible business model. But I want you to fly the nest. And I want you to fly the nest and be like, nothing I've found better than when you get like a, a someone who's going like, I don't like, you're end of a coaching block. What are you thinking? Like, you know what? I feel comfortable enough to go on my own. I'm like, I can love that. Yeah, Off man. you go. Yeah. Get out of here. Don't ever come back. Um, so yeah, it's, it's learning those skills and just like I said, you know, looking at stuff. And again, you know, you kind of come down to, you know, short-term pleasure, long-term pain, you know, a lot of mindset stuff. But you know, another one is just that whole kind of volume thing. So you know, the the example I normally give people as well is like. You know, people will go like, oh, I was hungry, so I had a biscuit. Like, no one ever got full eating a fucking biscuit. Not in the history of man. You can eat 10 biscuits and you're like, oh, I feel a bit sick. Oh, let me take a deep breath. Okay, I'm going to go I'm gonna again. You know what I mean? Whereas you give someone a full chicken, you're like, right, eat that full chicken. There's a thousand calories there. You just eat a thousand calories of Oreos, eat a thousand calories. And they'll be like halfway through like, oh my God, I'm absolutely stuffed. Yeah, it's nutrient dense. <laughs> You know, he's, no one ever got fully eaten biscuits. That's one of the more frustrating things you hear from people. But, you know, the, the example I give, so, you know, 25 grams of dark chocolate is going to be about 150 calories. I know this because I buy the 25 gram little bars from Aldi. So about 150 calories. 25 grams worth of foods. And this goes on for like protein bars as well. You know, people like, I had a protein bar and a snack. Like, okay. But you've got 220 calories there for about 50 grams of food. Anyway, I'll go back to chocolate. So 25 grams of food, 150 calories. Now, I know from experience, because this is one of my kind of go-to snacks as well, if I have 80 grams of, like, frozen berries and 125 grams of 0% Greek yogurt, that's going to come in at about 110 calories. So I've got 210 grams worth of food, 210 grams worth of volume, with a lot of fiber in there, a lot of protein in there, for less calories than 25 grams of food. And that's just a fucking no-brainer, isn't it? Like... I'm hungry, I want something to eat. Shall I eat this 25 grams of chocolate or shall I eat this 210 gram meal or snack? Which one's going to keep me full for longer? Which one's going to be more satiating? Which one's going to help me with my hunger and my cravings? Again, it's not chocolate. I know it's not. But if you're hungry, eat that. Much more nutrient-dense. Again, less calories. And 10 times the volume. 10 times. It's, and it's just kind of getting those little things like that, you know, when people have like tracker bars and naked bars, like it's just not the best use of your calories. And again, not saying don't have a glass of wine. If you want to have a glass of wine, have it. But again, it's just that return on investment. Yeah. People don't go, you know, so you get your, whatever, your, your wage over the month, you know, you get paid, let's say 1500 quid and you buy an expensive pair of trainers. You don't just go, well, this month's fucked. I might as well just blow all the rest of my money. You just go, right, I've just got to tighten up for the rest of the weeks, you know, until I get paid again. And that's, you know, it's fine to have that chocolate. It's fine to have that glass of wine. It's fine to have, you know, half a pizza or whatever it is. But then you've just got to rein it in from somewhere else. And again, the more of these sensible choices you make, the more nutrient-dense foods that you make, or, you know, choices that you make, then they're just the easier and easier it'll go. Um, and again, it's just sometimes just making sensible swaps, educating yourself. Another one that kind of blows my mind is the amount of people that don't look at food levels. Mm. So they'll have something, you go like, any idea on my calories are in there? Like, oh no, 
I didn't look or they'll go, I ate this. I looked at the calories afterwards. I was really shocked by it. Like, it's a chocolate bar. <laughs> Why are you surprised by that? You know, again, going back to the, the 25 grams of chocolate thing, one of my clients had, she put four squares of chocolate in a diary. So I was you know, like, okay, you know, what chocolate was it? Any idea on the calories? She's like, oh, is the one from Aldi, 25 grams one? Like, okay, cool. So that's over 300 calories there. Diet chocolate, obviously healthy, over 300 calories. That is one and a quarter Mars bars. Would you, you know, anyone who's looking for fat loss, would you be like, oh, I want a little bit of a sweet snack, but I'm going to go stay healthy. I'm going to have one and a quarter Mars bars. <laughs> Wouldn't. And again, you know, it goes down to like, you know, people like, but calories are just calories. Like, well, they are when it comes to fat loss. You know, so, you know, or, you know, I, I like to put the comparisons up just so people do. So people go like, yeah, but, you know, four squares of dark chocolate is good for you. Well, I'll tell you what, it's the same amount of calories as half a bottle of wine. Would you have half a bottle of wine on Tuesday night thinking, I'm absolutely smashing my fat loss here? Probably not. And again, that's where it falls back into the, the educational stuff. And again, the mindset, like, could you go away with just having 25 grams? Yes, more than likely. Um, but yeah, that's it. I think for me, it's prioritizing the, the nutrient-dense food. It's being aware of the calories on your plate, not necessarily counting them. Simple stuff. Again, like we don't have our clients necessarily, we're certainly not starting off counting calories, but I will get them to calculate calories sometimes. Oven chips, big offender. Pasta. Oven chips is probably the biggest offender. Um, pasta, rice, cereals, if they want to keep those in. And I'll just say, you know what I mean? Just pour out a portion or serve up a portion, weigh it, calculate the calories. Because the amount of times when people go like, oh, oven chips, let me have a look at the package. Oh, it's like, you know, 180 calories per 100 grams. I'm probably having like 50 grams. 50 grams is about three chips. So they'll pour it out and they're like, oh, shit. Counting them out. Yeah, this is a 350 gram portion of it. I'm adding like 600 calories worth of oven chips. Because you think oven chips, much lower fat, you know, much lower fat than deep fried chips. And then again, there's a time to space for them. There's, you know, I like to have, it's usually steak and chip night on a, on a Friday for me, but we've got salmon because we don't know what day it is today. Um, it's, just, it's just becoming aware of those things. You know, same thing with cereals. Like you look at the back and you're like, oh, this is quite low calorie. Yeah, because it's fucking, says it's 30, you know, no one has a 30 gram serving of cereal. Are you nuts? You're going to have like 120 grams. You're going to have a bowl full. You know, Again, 30 grams is about two spoons worth. Yeah. So it's just becoming you know, aware of those things. And again, looking at your meals, does this make me feel good? How am I energy levels? How full does this keep me for how long do I need to switch it out? And odds are, you know, if you're having stuff like cereal for breakfast, it's not going to be filling. Mm. You know, we can go into the, the science behind being more um, sensitive to carbohydrates in the morning, etc. but just get some protein in the breakfast. Um, Again, you know, when people go, like, well, I have protein, I have yogurts. Yeah, okay, cool. If that works for you, it's all about finding what works for you. There's no hard and fast rules. There's so much, so many gray areas in nutrition. And that's when, you know, if you get PT just goes, this has to do this or you never do this, then they're just bullshit. I mean, one of the things surrounding tracking calories, I've done, um, like, a video for it in the group is – just about why I get people to do it at the start um, as a potential educational tool. So for someone who has very limited education around food groups and food energy values and that kind of thing, getting them to track their favorite foods or just inputting them into something like MyFitnessPal gets them more consciously aware of the energy values and the foods that they're regularly eating. 
to ultimately learn and establish what a visual portion size looks like for their goals. So like what you were talking about with the oven chips, it's like that might be something you regularly have. Cool. Well, I'm not asking you to get rid of them. But what I want you to understand is if I said to you, we're looking for maybe around three main meals of six, 700 calories per meal, what that would look like broken down into a portion size. So it's just that educational and becoming more aware so that down the line, they don't have to weigh everything out. They just know what a visual portion looks like. So it's just about like going back to that educational thing and it comes with experience of doing it over time. So Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, people get, um, not a bit nutty, but they think that because we don't get people to track calories that we're really anti-calorie counted. We're not. You know, it's a tool that I use. It's a tool that Joe uses. And it's a tool that we all implement with our clients. We're just aware that most people, it doesn't fit with their lifestyle. And it's also not necessary for a lot of people. Again, consistency is the thing that's missing. And not, you know, again, just speaking from our demographic, they've not gained weight because they're unaware of how many calories they're having. They gain weight due to some very specific habits and choices and behaviors and beliefs around foods. Like, you know, when this happens, this is how I cope with it. When I feel like this, this is what I do. And those are the things that we need to challenge on. But I think, yeah, again, uh, especially at the starting, it is very, very valuable for people. And again, you know, you've got those regular, so someone's like, oh, I have ribeye steak and I have uh, oven chips every Friday. You're like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. Like you say, you know, kind of, let's portion it out, let's figure out the calories. Right, are you aware that that's an 800-calorie meal? Like, fuck, no. And I normally have two glasses of wine with it as well. Right. So that's something that we want to adjust, adjust whether we, you know, take some of those chips out, put some veg in there, uh, and we switch down to like a fillet or something like that that's slightly low in calories. Yeah. And again, it's just making those little tweaks that will just save you a couple hundred calories here and there. And again, tidying up your food choices over the rest of the week. You know, maybe go have one glass of wine. It's just, but I think, yeah, calorie counting is a, a, it's a valuable tool for a lot of people. Some people find it a bit fiddly. It's, you know, it's worth the investment. You know, people wait. Another thing, I'll just go on a little small tiny rant where people are like, it's just so obsessive. Like, yeah. how, what, no, you know what I mean? Like, if I was saving up for a deposit for something, for a house or a dream holiday, and then I was like, oh, fucking hell, that's a nice jacket. i going to buy that. And then I go, well, I'll just check the bank balance. Oh, no. I need to do my savings this week. Or oh, this month, you know what I mean? I can't afford it. People will be like, fuck, are you checking your bank again? You're obsessive. Like, yeah, yeah, No, I'm just I'm budgeting something to get an end result. Um, yeah, it just seems like a bit of a cop-out with some people. Like, I don't want to count calories because uh, I become obsessive about them. Obsessive about what? And again, you know, people will massively overestimate the amount of calories that they burn. Like, you know, hopefully we've already cleared that up. It's only 10%. Uh, and massively underestimate the calories that they eat or consume. You know, you'll forget about bits and bats. Not on purpose. But then also you've got to realise it's not perfect. It's not a perfect formula. Um, you know, legally, I think it's about 150 calories either way that products can be. Yeah. Again, the kind of example I always give is if I go down to the Asda now and I pick up two ribeye steaks, they'll probably both say 227 grams. And then I put it to my fitness pal and I could scan them both and it'll go, it's this many calories for 227 grams. Now those steaks, even if they came on the same cow, are not going to be identical. One of them is going to have more fat one of them's got, well, obviously one of them's got less fat because one of them's got more fat. So it's still like, it's a best guess. When you're tracking calories, when you count calories, it's a best guess. You know, it's like science. It's what we've, you know, our best guess right now is this is how this works. 
So it's never going to be perfect. You know, people like I've, I've hit my perfect calories. Like you probably have. You could be over. You could be under. Yeah, but it's a ballpark yeah. figure. Yeah, it's the best thing that we can do right now. Um, but yeah, I think it's a valuable tool. And again, it's just becoming aware of these things um, and opting all the time for nutrient dense foods over you know just the calorie dense. Still have the calorie dense foods, but you've got to prioritize those nutrient dense foods to make it more enjoyable, to keep it more full, more satiated, healthy, and all that good stuff. Yeah, no, that was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, do any of you guys have any questions specifically uh, about anything? Do you want to pop in chat a question or just unmute yourself? Feel free to just snowball and shoot questions away. Uh, Amy, Sharon, anybody? Right, go. Yeah. No, I think you've kind of like pretty much answered a lot of the questions, like in terms of just the protein and how you actually cook it and that type of stuff. So, no. I yeah, I, th I think the, the points you made on like the thermogenic effect of food, I haven't necessarily touched on with my guys specifically because try not to overwhelm them with too much information too soon. But it is a really good thing that I'll probably go into a little bit more detail with them about because, like you said, you know, the thing that stuck with me about protein being almost free food that's a really good you know thing to think about in terms of the logic behind why you're building the plate around the protein source and that's something that probably will touch on with my guys a little bit more so that was really good yeah there's just so so many benefits to eating higher protein you know and again you know from the thousands and thousands of food diaries that i've seen it's just your know, protein and veg are the biggest lacking things and if you don't eat a lot of protein and veg guess what you fill up on carbohydrates and fats you know what I mean carbohydrates are going to leave you hungrier you know it's going to affect your blood sugar which again is going to affect your hunger it's going to cause you cravings you know fats nine calories per gram so over double the amount of calories that you get from protein um so yeah again it's just about being full isn't it so you prioritize that protein and it's just got the the whole benefits of for fat loss it's just absolutely crucial and unfortunately it's the most under eaten macronutrient that's out there. Mm. Yeah, I think one of the other things that a lot of people, especially what I've noticed over the years of PT and is when they first come to me is like, the number one question is, you know, how much food should I be eating in terms of calories, which is obviously expected people would ask that. But then it goes straight to meal frequency. How many meals should I be eating a day? And for fat loss, primarily the one thing that I hit home with the guys is just like, look at it as total calories. Don't think of it for fat loss as meals, but there are advantages to having meals spaced out specifically if you're focusing on a protein source for what you were saying about being fuller for longer, spacing them out, it is going to leave you to feel a little bit more satisfied across the day in terms of cravings and hunger. But the main thing primarily is the total amount. So then you can start looking at prep, personal preference. If you don't like breakfast, don't have it. But if it's going to leave you craving food, then you probably should look at getting some protein in fairly early on because you're taking away that choice factor of having to make a poor decision. Does that make sense? So yeah, definitely. Because you know, again, we we get people who are like, I know I shouldn't skip breakfast. Like, skip breakfast if you want to. I don't mind. I don't mind my clients missing a meal so long as it doesn't lead to piss poor choices later on. Yeah. You know, it's when people go like, oh, I'm doing intermittent fasting. It's the next big thing. Like, it's not. It's skipping a meal. Yeah. That's it. But then, you know, you've got to think, I mean, Joe uses a decent analogy, is like, imagine you've been in like a, an eight-hour lecture 
and then you come out and you're like, oh my God, I am absolutely starving. And there's two tables set up with food and one of them is just all pastries, cake, mm-hmm. chocolate and crisps. And the other one's like lean meats and vegetables and proteins. Uh, yeah, and um, you know, carbohydrates. Which one are you going to go to when you're starving? Because that's what you do when you're fasting. So if you're fine to go, right, I'm going to eat these lean meats and then I'm out of a pastry. Cool, go for it. But like I said, you know, the, the meal frequency, you know, if you get into like sports and stuff like that, then cool, we'll start worrying about that. But if we're looking at fat loss, again, it's that overall intake that's going to have the biggest influence, not what time you have it, whether you have to, after six, whether you eat within a certain window or out of a window, whatever it is. But yeah, the meal frequency for controlling cravings is the kind of the, the big one. Like you said, you know, if you skip breakfast and then you are absolutely starving, and then you make a terrible lunch choice, then we should have had breakfast. Let's prioritize breakfast. Yeah. You know, if, and it's just simple stuff that you get people, you know, again, with the, the, the clientele, the demographic we work with, you know, people like, oh, well, I finished work, and then by the time I get home from work, I'm absolutely starving, so I end up eating three rounds of toast whilst I'm cooking my dinner. Mm. It's like, right, well, could you eat, before you set off from work, shut your laptop, eat an apple, set off. I did that, and it worked really well. Mm. There you go. Easy. Yeah. You had some you know, 90 calories or 80 calories from a nutrient-dense apple, and it saved you eating three, 400 calories from butter toast. Yeah. Again, it's just yeah. that educational part of just thinking, what's my problem? What's a possible solution? Let me try that, see if it works. Yeah, I mean, I always kind of, the way I teach nutrition to my clients is obviously you've got like the hierarchy pyramid where, you know, energy balance at the bottom, macronutrients, micronutrients, nutrient timing, supplements, and by all means, as a last resort, don't you shouldn't even be looking at supplements if you haven't got those foundation levels set. But the way I kind of use supplement implementation for some of my guys is like the example of driving home from work. Would it be the worst thing to have a protein bar in your car to have on your way home? Helps you feel like you're having kind of a little bit of a sweet treat or whatever. But because it's protein dense, it's keeping you a little bit fuller for longer. It's going to stop you from, you know, smashing off a couple of bacon sandwiches when you're cooking your dinner. It's it's having that, not fallback system, but just support things just in place. Or like you said, fruit's obviously a better choice, but having the availability to take away that choice and that, that thought process of being hungry and not wanting to get to that point, really. So yeah, I think it's it's palatability as well, isn't it? Like you know, say like you know, having a carb cover or something like that. I have protein bars still. I enjoy them; they're nice. You know, I love them as a snack. I won't always go like I'm having an apple because sometimes an apple is not really going to hit the spot. Um, but yeah, again, it's just solutions to problems, isn't it? You know, is if you regularly get stabbed in your car, you get stuck in traffic, and like say you put a petrol station and buy a chocolate bar, then that's a no-brainer to keep a protein bar in your car. Or, you know, I live, uh, you know, a good kind of hour's commute, depends on how bad it is um, traffic-wise, from Graft House. So if I'm going home and it's rush hour traffic and I'm starving, I'm going to get like a pack of ham or something like that. I'm going to nip into Asda and get like a pack of pastrami, something like that, that I can eat as I'm driving, um, obviously safely, just to help control my blood sugars. And again, that's another thing. Just last point, last point, honestly, and then I'll go. Um when you get these mad cravings, you'll go through this kind of, usually because you're hungry. You go through this like little Rolodex in your brain, like, right, and your body's like, you are hungry, we're starving, we're low on calories, get some food, and your old Rolodex goes, oh, for, for me, pizza, get pizza, 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 get pizza, you need loads of calories, what's a good source of calories? Pizza. And then if I just go and I eat 
like a tub of cottage cheese or I eat a pack of ham, my blood sugar stables out, you know, some food in my stomach, those hungry singles stop, or it's like, oh, I just bought myself that little bit of wiggle room. So if you find yourself really suffering from cravings or kind of getting hungry, just eat something, something that's more in line with your goals than whatever you're craving, and then see if you still want it. Don't do that bullshit where it's like, I set my clock for five minutes and I drink a glass of water and then I see if I really want it because you're just not going to want it. You're going to sit there going, it's five minutes up yet, it's five minutes up yet, it's five minutes up yet. Eat something that's going to help and then go, right, do I still want that pizza? No, what was I thinking? I was just hungry. And now I've had that bit of ham or I've had an apple or cottage cheese or whatever it is, protein bar, I'm good. I've got myself another hour there where Mm -hmm. I can think clearly, I can cook my food and do it again just find the easiest way possible the least amount of friction possible to hit your goals whether that's prepping batch cooking buying ready meals pre-cooked stuff quick cook stuff whatever it is spot on yeah does anyone have any last questions before we wrap this up just one question um, yeah. just touching on kind of like the time that you eat especially on an evening does that not have any make any difference as long as you keep within well, your calories if you are if you are um, a mogwai and you eat after midnight, you might turn into a gremlin. But other than that, you're fine. No, again, it's that it's that overall. And it's not even day to day. I think people get in their mind that you get to midnight, and if you've gone over your calories, you gain weight. Again, think of it like almost like a holiday budget. So you've got to wear for a week. Again, terrible analogy at this time. And you budget forty pounds per day. That's all we've got, forty pounds. But then one day you know, you go to the water park and you end up spending 60 pounds. You don't spend 40 pounds the following day, you spend 35 pounds or 30 pounds till you've made up that budget. So you can kind of do that with your calories. I'm sure I'm talking about kind of banking calories for the weekend, for, you know, for a few drinks or for a meal out or something like that. It doesn't matter what time you have your calories. You know, the only thing could be, it could be uncomfortable for you if you eat a massive meal before you go to bed. I've got no problem eating right up until I go to, to sleep. In fact, I enjoy eating before I go to bed. The kind of yogurt berries thing that I described, that's usually one of my pre-bed snacks. Um, so no, it doesn't matter. Again, it's, it's the overall calories. It's not even necessarily overall calories for the day. It's your overall calories over a week, even a longer period. Weeks seems to be a good one. You know, I had a client who was like, I'm not going to eat much now so I can eat more in December. Like, that's not going to work. Like, I can't do three months of dieting. You know, I'm just going to do three months where I eat 2,000 calories and then I can spend three months eating 5,000 calories. Like, that's not going to work. But yeah, think of it over a longer period. But yeah, no, there's no, there's going to be absolutely zero difference whether you have them after six or, you know, you're not going to turn into a pumpkin. Does that help? Yeah, that's cool. Good. Awesome. Hannah, have you got a question or that yeah, right? Can I just ask a quick question? Um, so, Obviously, I've done sustain, so was really successful doing it. Um, but what I've struggled most recently is so um, me and my partner. So he's like six foot four, I'm five foot four, um, and it's like trying to cook dinners together and like cooking meals together or having lunches together because his targets are so different or his like calorie targets are so different to where I'm at. So, what do you recommend for people that are kind of like still wanting to eat together and cook together, but are kind of in different places or have different calorie allowances. Well, not even necessarily just think about calories, but his portion sizes are completely different to mine. Um, I mean, this could be a bit complex. This could be a way out. Have you tried just eating smaller portions than him? <laughs> um, 
I think part, I think sometimes it's if we're plating it up, it's like oh, there's my half of the food that we've cooked, and there's his half. So it, maybe it is a little bit of habit, and like just splitting yeah. what we've cut down the middle in two. Yeah, and just cut the portions. You know, you, you're still going to get your protein, and then you know, if you want, if you're still hungry, then good good old veg. You know, throw it in there. You know, you got your, yeah. your again big return for investment. Vegetables. You know, it's a very similar thing with with fruit. Maybe a little bit more calories in the fruit so you know if you're still hungry after eating a small portion then you know good again get go to snack some fruit and some yogurt you know high protein yogurt afterwards something like that would work but yeah i just got the portions just gotta watch those i mean are you currently tracking your calories um no <laughs> that's <I'm>, a no <laughs> but i can pick healthy choices so um and because i did six months on sustain so i kind of i know what works best for me and what doesn't so I've kind of learned quite a lot so I kind of stick within what I know works really well for me but when I was on sustain I did track my calories um quite religiously but then now I don't really track it because I found it quite time consuming but I also feel more educated so I make better decisions more of the time yeah brilliant again it'd just be a portion thing for me then if he's six or four and a big dude that he's going to need to eat more. Oh, he's, got, he's got more wiggle room. You know, women get um, get quite upset with the fact that we can eat more food than them. It's just like naturally we carry more muscle mass, so we burn more energy. You know, and that's why men drop weight or tend to drop body fat easier than the ladies. And you know, you're more genetically predisposed to hold on to it for kind of reproductive reasons and you know evolution and all that. Um, but yeah, it's going to come down to a portion thing. You know, you don't you don't have to have perfect options to make progress. You just need to be sensible with portions. And again, you know, if I go to my mum's for dinner and she's you know made a, one of her famous lasagnas, she's going to have lasagna there. She's going to have a nice side salad. She's going to have garlic bread. She's going to have dessert. She's going to get chocolates out afterwards. There'll be you know olives and crisps and stuff out first. I don't have to have all that. I can have a sensible portion of lasagna. I can have side salad. I can go. Well, I'll just have two pieces of garlic bread because garlic bread's delicious. And then, you know, you can just adjust your portions to control your calories. Again, you know, if I went to a buffet and all they serve is pizza, I don't have to have an extra large stuffed crust meat feast pizza. I can have two slices of pizza. And again, I'm controlling my calories in that way. So it's just, yeah, it's going to come down to portion size for me there, Hannah. Okay, cool. Thank Sorry. you. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's fine. <laughs> But just bulky play out with a load of veg then afterwards, you know, so you're still getting a big old hit of food, but just for a lot less calories. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Thank you. You're well, welcome. Yeah. No, I really appreciate you coming on, James. That was really good. Um, I appreciate being asked. Thank you. Yeah, I've got the recording. I'll get that over to you ASAP. And I think we've got all the questions done. So, yeah, guys, I'll be posting that in the client community as well for if you want to re-watch and I'm going to be uploading the main key points and notes taken down so I'll all be up there as soon as possible if I don't see you have a fantastic weekend everyone yeah so yeah thank, thank you, you. thank you yeah. see you soon bye bye bye